absolutely uh, one of the best Easter services we've ever had. Uh, we broke our attendance record, so that was pretty cool. And we got to minister to a whole lot of people, so God is good. And uh, we appreciate everybody that helped out with that service. It was absolutely incredible. Alright, let's go ahead and get into some announcements here. Ladies, we have the women's meeting this Friday night. Who's excited? Amen. All right. Sounds like some of the men are excited too. We'll take that. Uh, so check it out. Uh, this Friday at 630, uh, the menu to bring is a casserole or a salad or a dessert. Make sure you bring your Bible, notebook, and pen and invite someone to come along with you. And children, little girls are welcome if they can sit still and be quiet during the lesson. And so this is a great chance uh, to start teaching these little ladies about the ways of God and, and, uh, and how to behave during a church event like that. So praise God. God. Uh, ladies, come on out on Friday night. And then young adults uh, for ages 18 to 25-ish is going to be on Saturday at 11 a.m. at Six Beans Coffee. And so uh, we're going to get together over there. And I believe Miss Rosalinda is going to be delivering the word that morning. Uh, so come on out and uh, be with us on Saturday at 11 a.m. at Six Beans. And going to study the Bible, drink some coffee or tea, and have a really good time together. And then I am personally excited about this. We have our water baptism service coming up. Yes. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So that's going to be uh, the last Sunday of April. It's the 30th at the 10 a.m. service. And so if you have never been baptized and you are born again, this is going to be super important for you uh, to sign up and get baptized. You need to do this and make a public declaration of your faith. And also, uh, if maybe you were baptized as a kid or a long time ago and you know you didn't really know what was going on, well, we encourage you that it's fine to get baptized again if that's that's your situation, so you can go ahead and uh, and sign up again, and we'd be fine with that. Amen. All right, and then here's one that I need everybody's help with. Do old Pastor Dave a favor, and the National Day of Prayer is going to be on Thursday, May 4th at 7 p.m., and uh, we are going to be hosting it for the entire city right here at High Desert Word Center on that night, so that's a big deal. And so I need all the High Desert Word Center family to show up and show some love and some support that night. Uh, be here. All the other churches are going to be joining us. It'll probably be a very packed building. Uh, but I want all of our church family there to celebrate and to join in on the National Day of Prayer. So mark your calendar Thursday, May 4th at 7 p.m. All right. Well, that is all the announcements we have for right now. So I'm going to have Pastor Come on up and do our Wednesday evening tithes and offerings. What time is it, church family? It is happy time. Amen. All right, Pastor, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Hold up your hands to the envelope for your tithes and for your offerings. And open up your, open up your, uh, prosperity textbook. Somebody said, what? Have you got a Bible? That's called your prosperity textbook. And I'll show you why. Look at Isaiah 48, verse 17. And, uh, you know, you know, I'll just tell you something about, about God. He, he doesn't know what broke is in heaven. And Jesus prayed, said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if broke don't belong in heaven, it doesn't belong in the life of a believer either. Amen or oh me? Wow. Has anybody ever been to this class before? Amen. This is mostly going to be review, but at the same time it's for you, it might be preview. And so you need to see some things that God has planned for your life. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen, and I hear the pages turning. You're there? Anybody else there? If you're there, hold up your hand. If you're not there, say, uh, Teacher, I forgot my textbook today. Okay, you get extra credit if you bring your textbook. Amen. Okay, James got his. James has his. Isaiah 48, 17. I'm just going to give you just a short little lesson here from the Holy Bible. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, 
Now listen to these words. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. And so two things you need to notice that he's your teacher if you let him be. Amen. Do you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, do you receive his father as your teacher? I do. And he says, I'll teach you to profit. And profit means you have more coming in than you have going out in the simplest terms. That means no matter how much you have going out, no matter what you owe, that the father's going to teach you how to always have more than enough coming in. Never, ever, ever limit God to your job. Amen. One of the ways he teaches us is Luke 6, 38. Give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed out, etc. Shall men give it to your bosom. God can use your job. He can use fellow believers. He can use a donkey. He can use a well. He can use anything he wants to to get it in your hand. But he said, I'll teach you to profit. And then he says, I'll lead you. I'll lead you by the way that you should go. And so <clears throat> he's, he's always wanting to teach You've got to always be willing to learn. Never, never, never think you know enough that you never need to learn anymore. Amen? And then at the same time, he says he leads, but you don't think about somebody leading you. you got to be willing to follow the lead. You ever played the game, follow the leader? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to be the leader. And uh, some of the people that he uses to show you things is pastors, Bible teachers, other believers that walk with him and know his word. And so he says he wants to lead you. And when I, when I look at the, the Lord that God that teaches us and leads us, I think of two things. Number one, as he teaches you, we got what I call the general will of God, which is the will of God in the Bible for all believers. God says for all believers, he, he wants you to walk in love. That's the will of God. He says for believers... He wants you to be a person that brings a tithe to the storehouse. That's the will of God. For a believer, the will of God is that you come to church regularly so you can learn, so you can grow. And just all kinds of things, that's the general will of God. But then this leading gets it into the personal will of God. God doesn't want everybody, for example, to go to college. Nothing wrong with college, but some people are tired, called just to be simple people that are smart, Get a, get a minimum of education and go out and use their hands. Amen. We need a lot of hands-on workers. And so if God leads you to go to college, follow. If God leads you to go to trade school or to be an apprentice with somebody else that knows what they're doing, follow. Because he says, I will lead you. I'll teach you to profit. And so we need to know the general will of God's for everybody, but you yourself have to spend enough quality time privately praying, seeking God about your life to find out the personal plan. And I think about some of the ways he leads that we don't understand sometimes. I was telling my granddaughter today, I lived in Indiana 54 years. And I tell my look at her eyes, she thought, well, you couldn't even be that old yet. Well, I did. Lived there 54 years. And then for the last 18 years, I've lived in California. And so God led us by the way we should go. And so God had his prosperity for us in California. And so that's what we do. We follow the leading of God. And the more you grow in him, and the more you recognize that my life's not my own, I belong to Jesus, the more you're willing to do what he says to do. And I'll tell you what, I would rather be in California in the shape I am now than to be in Indiana where all my family was and is and be going broke. Amen. I like to be blessed. How about you? Amen. And so uh, don't follow get-rich-quick schemes on the Internet. Open your Bible. Read your textbook. God said, I will teach you. He's not going to teach you through goofy people that are God robbers, etc. He's going to teach you through the Bible and godly men and women of God that follow him. Amen? Is that good preaching? Is that good advice? That's how this whole thing works. Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And uh, somebody said, why do you make so many confessions in this in this?" church all the time well hebrews 9 23 hebrews 10 23 says hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering as his faith comes by hearing the word of god then if we're confessing the word of god we're confessing our faith if we're confessing our faith it's going to come to pass in our lives amen amen all right as we bring the lord's tithe and give offerings today 
we believe we receive. Jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give generously into the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The band has the night off tonight, so we need lots of audience participation. Let's put our hands together if we can, and let's all sing as loud as we can together. Every fear overtaken, every wall comes crashing down. I am free in your presence, You have lifted my burden at the cross, one sacrifice, full of hope in your presence. Whoa. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love For everything that you've done My heart is overcome I see the kingdom of heaven Appears the dark within this light We're alive in your presence Whoa. You have won our salvation At the cross one sacrifice So secure in your presence Whoa. And I I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love My heart is overcome And I can't stop singing about your love For everything that you've done My heart is overcome and This part requires a little bit more audience participation I'm going to sing out and then I want you guys to sing You Are My First Love So let's try it go I praise you forever your love goes on and on I sing to you Jesus let's sing it you are my first love I praise you forever your love goes on and on I sing to you Jesus let's sing that my first love sing hallelujah you are my first love sing hallelujah and I I can't stop singing about your love I can't stop singing about your love my heart is overcome I, I can't stop singing about your love For everything that you've done My heart is overcome I, I praise you forever Your love goes on and on I sing to you, Jesus Let's sing that 
are my first love. I praise you forever. Your love goes on and on. I sing to you, Jesus. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. One more time. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love.
song was reminding me of Romans chapter 8 where the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 38 he said and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands tonight. Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we know it's because you first loved us. We know that because of your love, that's the reason we're even here right now. And so, Jesus, we lift your name high tonight. We honor you. We praise you. We worship you. And we ask that you would have your way in this place this evening. May your word penetrate into our hearts, Lord, and do the work that it needs to do. We love you and we praise you tonight in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, why don't you give somebody a hug on your way to your seat there? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to get into the word this evening. Praise God. My uh, voice is recovering still from a little bit of a, <laughs> the devil tried to get me with a cold, but he didn't win. And uh, Sunday we hit it pretty hard. So my voice, uh, you know, in Jesus name, it's going to do good tonight. Amen. Well, uh, when I was, you know, praying about what to, uh, to share this evening, um, one of my favorite Psalms came to mind. And if you know very much about me, you know that I love the Psalms. And uh, there's a good reason for it. It's because the Psalms are absolutely incredible. So uh, what I want to talk about tonight is this. It's going to be based out of Psalm 18, but the title is, The Lord is My Rock. 
The Lord is my rock. And, uh, and you know, that, so we could say that, but we're going to break down what it actually means tonight. Uh, because not everybody fully gets what this is trying to tell us. And so, we're going to open up by looking at Psalm 18. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. Who is excited? Amen. Contain your excitement now. Calm down. Where do you think we are? A football game? My gosh. A bunch of yahoos on Soap Mine Road. Dear Lord. Psalm 18. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And I love this. It is from the man, King David. And uh, oh, it's just beautiful. But let, let, the whole chapter is great, but we're just going to look at a little bit of it tonight. Psalm 18, starting at verse 1. It says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Look at verse 2. The Lord is my rock my fortress and my savior or my deliverer as the king james puts it my god is my rock in whom i find protection he is my shield the power that saves me and my place of safety have you ever known that you know people just talk about man i need to go to my safe place right now and hey sometimes you need your safe place well for me that is the lord and so my safe space can be wherever i am it could be in the middle of times square in new york city or it could be out in the woods in big bear it doesn't matter because the lord is my place of safety and he's with me every Everywhere I go. Amen. Verse 3, David says, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and He saved me from my enemies. That's really good news right there. And wouldn't it be great if you could just call on the Lord right there and be saved from your enemies? And you know, your enemies could be any number of things. It, it could be sickness. It could be an attack on your, your job, an attack on your marriage. It could be an attack from people, whatever it is. All I know is this, is that when I call on the Lord, I fully expect Him to save me from my enemies. And He does it time and time again. Who in here the Lord has saved you from some enemies in your life? Amen. Hey, one time I was the enemy <laughs> and he saved me from myself. Amen. Well, more than one time. It's probably been a few hundred times. But hey, he has saved me from my own stupidity time and time again. And I give him praise for that. So what we're going to do here is break down a few things that Psalm 18 is telling us regarding the Lord being our rock. And so uh, let's look into this here. Let's, let's look into this. Number one, the Lord is, hey, number one, my rock. The Lord is my rock. Now, when I think of a rock here, I'm not thinking about some little pebble or some little stone. Listen, David's talking about a boulder, okay? A rock, a boulder, something big, something strong. And what's one of the main important things about a giant rock? Anybody in here, you just love giant rocks? No? Okay, I, mean, I do. I'm a big fan. Uh, well, one thing that I like about a big giant rock is they're stable and immovable. And one of my favorite giant rocks in the world is called Castle Rock up in Big Bear. In fact, it's a great hiking trail. It's a couple miles long. But, you know, there's this giant rock that looks like a castle at the end of this trail. Anyone in here? I don't want to look crazy. Has anyone hiked Castle Rock Trail? Okay, me and my brother have. Okay, very good. So uh, you need to go do it sometime. It's not hard to find. Google it. You'll find directions. But uh, but one of the cool things about Castle Rock Trail is that there's these giant boulders up there. They're magnificent. They're huge. And as I look at these things, I'm like, dude, these things have been in the same place for a very long time. And I stop to wonder, what have these things seen throughout the centuries? What have these things the weather, the blizzards, the storms, and through it all, none of those things have moved them. And in my life, when Jesus is my rock, when I am anchored to Him, I may see some storms. I may see some times change. But I know this much, the times don't change Jesus. And He's my rock. He's what I cling to. And so those rocks up there, uh, they probably look the exact same. They're wearing the exact same clothes they were wearing when Abraham Lincoln was president. 
You know, and, 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 and there's been so many iPhones and so many, you know, computers and, and the, the music industry and the fashions have changed throughout the decades and the centuries. But those rocks don't care. They don't need an update. They don't need to move. They don't need to get with the times because they know they're solid. They're stable. They are immovable. And it's the same way when the Lord is your rock. When Jesus is what is anchoring you. Listen, He doesn't need an update. He doesn't need to change. He doesn't need to get with the times. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. Jesus is my rock. And I thank God He doesn't change. Because everything around me is changing all the time. And I'm looking for that one thing that does not change. Everybody's always wanting an update, a makeover, or something new. And you know, that's, you know, whatever with that. But I'm not looking for all of that. I'm looking for something that doesn't need updated. Something that doesn't need to change. Something that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is Jesus. And He is my rock. He's not moving. He's not getting scared and running away. He is staying exactly where he needs to stay. Amen. And so I want to look here at Isaiah chapter 28. We'll be coming back to the Psalms, no doubt about it, but Isaiah 28. And so we all need something in our lives that is our rock. It's the thing that anchors us, that holds us in place, that keeps us stable. And I can tell you this much, if there's one thing that I appreciate, it is stability. Stable people, stable Christians. And the only way that you can be stable is if you are anchored and connected to something that's not going anywhere. Isaiah 28 we're going to look at verse 16. Isaiah 28. And we'll look here at verse 16. And Isaiah prophesied this, and this is a messianic prophecy about, about Jesus. But it says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. Alright? I like something that's been tested. I like something that has been proven to work. And who knows that Jesus has been tested. And He has been proven to be the real deal. He's not a fake. Let's keep going here. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Jesus is the cornerstone and it is safe to build your life upon Jesus. And of course, I often refer to the story in the New Testament about the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man, what he do? He built his house upon the rock. And the foolish man, he built a house as well. But his house was built on the sand. Well, both guys built houses. Both guys faced storms. But only one of them made it through the storm. And it was the guy that built his house upon the rock. And so, so often, you know, we look and like, man, I know why that, why they, they were just, they got it good. They were just, they were born into an easy life. They just blah, blah, blah. And you know, people say stuff like that. And I've even had people say that about my life and like, man, you've got this and you've got that. It's because of, you know, you've had this. And I'm like, listen, the reason that my life is anything, the devil tried to kill me when I was three. That wasn't a whole lot of fun. But the reason that I have anything at all, it's not because I'm smart. It's not because of the color of my skin. It's not because even the family I was born into. It's because my life is built on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, yeah, there's no other greater force and power than that. Jesus is the solid rock. Amen? And anybody who calls upon Him shall be saved. And anybody that will build their life upon Him their house and their life will stand firm. Somebody should say amen tonight because I'm not making this up. Amen? Come on. <laughs> amen. And so I want to, I, I read a, a Bible commentary about 
cornerstones. Because, I don't know, I mean, I don't know much about construction. Uh, but, you know, I know this much, that the foundation is highly important to the structure. And, and so, regarding cornerstones, check this out. Since ancient times, builders have used cornerstones in their construction projects. A cornerstone was the main stone usually placed at the corner of the project to guide the workers in their course. Who thinks that you need a cornerstone to guide you along your course? I know, I know that I do. The cornerstone was usually the largest, most solid, and most carefully constructed of any in the building. The Bible describes Jesus as the cornerstone that his church would be built upon. He is foundational. Now, I want you to hear this part. Once the cornerstone was set, it became the basis for determining every measurement in the remaining construction. Everything else was dependent upon the cornerstone. Everything else had to follow the course that had been laid by the cornerstone. Everything was aligned to it. And so as the cornerstone of the building of the church, Jesus is our standard of measure and alignment. And so everything in my life has to be based upon my cornerstone. If it doesn't line up with Jesus, it doesn't belong in my foundation. It doesn't belong in my life. And so... What is your cornerstone? Because every Christian is going to say, oh yeah, Jesus is my cornerstone. Amen. But listen, actions speak louder than words. We all know the right words to say, but do our actions line up with it? Is Jesus really your cornerstone? Or is the love of money your cornerstone? Is Jesus your cornerstone? Or is your own personal entertainment and whatever pleasure your cornerstone. Hey, that's a fair question to ask. You know, Jesus asked, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do anything I say? I mean, that seemed kind of rude, but it was a legit question. Because a lot of people call Jesus Lord and then don't do anything he says. And Jesus basically said, can you please not do that? That makes me uncomfortable. Because it's a lie. <laughs> a Lord, when someone's your Lord, you do what they say. Right? If you've got a landlord, you know, you gotta get their permission before you add on to the house, right? You don't wanna just do that without asking them. You know, they gotta, you gotta get their permission. And so, when Jesus is really your Lord, you don't go making decisions without asking Him first, right? Everything that you do, if He's the cornerstone, has to be in alignment and in agreement with what the original cornerstone is. And if Jesus is really the cornerstone in our lives, everything else in our life has to align with it. Now, I'm going to read a little bit further from my commentary for you nerds out there, all right? Everyone else, just listen. But So it goes on to say, Unfortunately, not everyone aligns with the cornerstone. Some people accept Christ, some people reject Him. In fact, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. Uh, the book of Psalms prophesied that in Psalm 118, verse 22. And then it literally says that in Mark 12, 10, that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. So hear me on this. When news of the Messiah's arrival came to the wise men in the east... They determined to bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? But when that exact same news came to King Herod in Jerusalem, his response was to try to kill him. So from the very beginning, Jesus was a stone that causes some people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, 1 Peter 2.8. And so for some people, Jesus is the cornerstone, and yet for others, he's still a rock, but he's a rock that causes them to trip up everywhere, because they're fighting against him. And so I'm telling you tonight, Jesus can either be the rock that you build your life upon, or Jesus can be the rock that you fight against and stumble for the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, don't go fighting a big giant rock, because you're going to lose. I saw a man down on Main Street one day get into a fight with a tree. 
literally saw this man like squared up and punching a tree. There were other things in play at that moment, but let's just say the tree won and that guy lost. And so I'm thinking about how many people, you know, you maybe don't realize it, but you're stumbling against and fighting against the rock, Jesus, and you're not going to win that fight. So you can either choose to let him be your foundation or you can choose to let him be, you know, the thing that you fight against. But if Jesus is speaking to your heart about stuff, I'm telling you now, surrender now. Listen, do it his way. If he's saying, hey, you need to let go of this stuff, you need to listen. If he's saying, hey, I want you to start going this direction with your life, you might as well listen now. You might as well listen now because... Jesus is the rock. And the book of Romans tells us that God's gift and His calling upon your life can never be revoked. Amen? Uh, The gifts and calling of God are uh, irrepentable. He's not going to take them away from your life. And so, I'm just telling us tonight that it's one thing to get excited that Jesus is the rock. Amen? But... We need to use that rock as a foundation stone, not something that we fight against. Can we get an amen? Amen. Number two from Psalm 18. Number one, we said he's the rock. But number two, one of my favorite things about the Lord is he is my fortress. He's my fortress. That's Psalm 18 and verse two and several other of the Psalms. I can't even begin to list all of them. But everywhere throughout the book of Psalms, it tells us that the Lord is our fortress. And this is one of my favorite words in the entire Bible. I love the fact that God is a fortress around me. And so, you know, as we've said many times, we are in a spiritual war and you do have a real enemy. Who has found that out by now? That we're not making this up. It's not just some, you know, story we tell. It's a real thing. There is real spiritual warfare. There really is an enemy. And it's super important for you to be confident in knowing that the Lord surrounds you and protects you. He is your safe place. He is your fortress. Now, a fortress not only protects you from attacks from the enemy, it's a shelter in the storm. Because sometimes in life you've got arrows from the enemy coming at you like Ephesians chapter 6 talks about. And sometimes it is a pouring down storm going on in your life. Either way, you need a shelter. Now I personally really enjoy studying survival situations and techniques and roughing it in the woods type of things. It just fascinates me. But one thing that I've learned about survival situations is in a real survival situation and, and you know uh, say you're stuck in a blizzard or some sort of a, a terrible hurricane or something like that a shelter is the top thing on your list of needs now what's the number one thing that most people think of if they think of, of imagine being lost in the woods or in a survival situation they always think about okay who are we going to eat first you know what <laughs> what can i kill what wild edibles are in the woods here can i eat these mushrooms can i go eat these leaves and everyone thinks about food but the truth of the matter is is in a survival situ- in a bad survival situation listen you can go at least 3 weeks without food you can maybe last 3 days without water and in a real bad situation you can last like 3 Three hours without the proper shelter in a really bad situation. You need to have a value for shelter. And so the Bible tells us that the Lord is a fortress and a shelter. Now Jesus also said that I am the bread of life, so he'll feed you. And we know that he is living water. He'll take care of that too. But check it out. You need to have a value for the fact that the Lord is your rock and he is your Fortress. Psalm 31. Let's go. Psalm 31. On Wednesdays, we've got to move fast. It is the hour of power. Are you feeling the power tonight? Good, good. All right. Psalm 31. And we're going to look here at verse 1. Psalm 31. And verse 1. And again, this is a Psalm of David. And he says... Oh, Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. 
Have you ever gotten yourself into an embarrassing situation? I know all of you guys. You have. <laughs> okay, you want me to start naming things here? Come on. All right. <laughs> help me out. Listen, <laughs> when we come to the Lord for our help, He will not let us be disgraced. Even if you've done something embarrassing, when we come to the Lord for our help, when we go to Him as our fortress and our rock, He will not let us be disgraced. Now, we may have to deal with a little embarrassment. We may have to swallow our pride. But God can see to it that we are not disgraced. You will come out on top and get the last laugh. Who thinks that's a pretty good promise from God's Word? Amen? I don't want to be disgraced. Psalm 34, verse 5. And everyone knows that Psalm 34 is within the top three of the best psalms. You knew that, right? You didn't know that? Who here? Who, who was here last summer when we did a whole summer in the Psalms? Oh man, that was good stuff. I loved that. I liked it. I don't know if anybody else did. I had the time of my life. That was incredible. But <laughs> Psalm 34 and verse 5. And this is an incredible promise from God's word. It says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. What an incredible promise from God's word. He will turn what could have darkened your face with shame into radiant joy. But you have to run to Him as your shelter and your fortress. God has an incredible way of turning a bad, nearly embarrassing situation around and placing you on top of the rock. That's another good one. Psalm 27, man, that's a good one. It says that the Lord will take you out of the hands of your enemies and place you out of reach high upon a rock. And I love that. I imagine I'm sitting on a rock, like sticking my tongue out at my enemies and they're trying to get me and and I'm up on top of the rock. Amen. I love the Psalms. It's good stuff. But I was thinking about, you know, a a real life example during my final years of high school. uh, You know, I don't, I don't go into details, but you know, this is a situation where my family came under attack and we went from a place of prominence and respect in our community to being in spot like this where, you know, some bad people did some bad things and tried to make life real bad and they made life real bad for a couple years. Amen. Uh, But the good news is this, praise God, that when bad times came, we didn't run from the fortress, we ran to the fortress. And I see so many people that have bad thing happen and the fortress is right here. They take off running the other direction. Listen, when bad things happen, when a storm breaks out, when the enemy attacks, get in the stinking fort, man. What's your problem? Run to the fortress. Run to the shelter. And those who look to Him for help, listen, they will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And I can say this much, every person that let the devil influence them and try to destroy my family, it didn't turn out well for them, but just to be honest, we're living our best life right now, and it's because of God. Again, it's not because, you know, of some, you know, whatever else. It's not because we're smart. It's not because, all I know is this much. And anybody that comes to me for counsel or anything else, I say, I don't know very much about anything, but I do know how to read the Bible. And I do know that when it's raining outside to come in from the storm, right? Not to stand out there complaining about the rain when there's a beautiful fort right here. Step in to the fortress, brother. Amen. Step in from the storm and God can turn your situation around. Something that could have been shameful, something that the devil set up to destroy you can be your testimony someday. But it only happens if he's your rock and if he's your fortress. And I just pray God every day, every day, nearly every Sunday morning, man, when I'm standing up here praising God and all of you guys are, you know, got our back. Listen, there's not a Sunday that goes by that I don't thank God and remember some really gnarly bad times 
from 15, 20 years ago, I can stand up here and raise my hands and thank God for all of you people. Thank God for this wonderful facility and thank God for Barstow, California. Amen. I love it. The Lord has been good to us. And some people would have used the same situation and said, man, where's God? Where's God at? You know, if God, why did this happen? And listen, I don't have to always know why, because I know who I can run to the rock, to the fortress. Amen. All right. Number three, let's get it. Number three, we're, we're talking about Psalm 18, verse two. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. But I especially like the part that he's my deliverer. He's my deliverer. And, you know, I've been in situations, usually that I've gotten myself into, where only God could get me out. Thankfully, He's my deliverer. He's my deliverer. And, you know, so often, uh, you know, I've, I've heard it said this way, but we all like to quote, hey, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you should. Amen. That's a promise from God's word. But sometimes I'm just throwing that out myself tonight that I've been the weapon formed against me. <laughs> and so check it out. Either way, the Lord is my deliverer. He'll deliver me from any enemy that comes against me. Now, if you read the intro to Psalm 18... If you were to look in your Bible there, depending on what Bible you have, it says that it's a song that was written by David when the Lord rescued him from King Saul and all of his enemies. And so David, you know, he writes the Psalms are beautiful. And so many times, you know, we're like, man, that was must have been a really cool thing that was on his heart. He's writing a lot of this about real life experiences People were trying to kill him and he survived and he said, hey, the Lord's my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. That wasn't just a cute thing that he came up with. This was real life stuff. People were hunting the man down for decades and the Lord always delivered him every single time. And so I know, speaking from experience, that if you've ever been rescued or delivered, you can appreciate a good deliverance and rescue story. Anyone? Yeah, you know, there's some things, you know, there's been some verses of the Bible that I've heard, you know, maybe throughout my life and been like, yeah, that's a good verse. I mean, yeah, I like that. But then when I've had something happen in my life that really I had to stand on that verse, then I'm like, I really appreciate that verse right now. Man, maybe you haven't really ever appreciated healing verses until you needed healing. Maybe you never appreciated verses like Philippians 4.19 that says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Maybe you never really appreciated that until you were in a bad spot and God really did provide for your needs. I mean, we should appreciate all of them regardless of our situation, but I'm just being honest that sometimes I haven't appreciated some of these verses until I've actually been through it, and I didn't appreciate the deliverance verses until God delivered me from wicked people. Something to think about. Um, hey, let's look at Psalm 18 again, a few verses down. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting happy. I don't know about you guys, but I can't read some of these psalms without getting... Hey, I, I do it, man. I love it. Love these. So Psalm 18. We're going to look at verses 16 through 19. So we'll read a little bit more uh, on what David wrote after being rescued and delivered from his enemies. So Psalm 18. And we'll look here at verses 16 through 19 David said he reached down from heaven and rescued me he drew me out of deep waters he rescued me from my powerful enemies from those who hated me and were too strong for me they attacked me at a moment when i was in distress but the lord supported me you know, sometimes, you know, people are, man, I, I'm in a moment of distress. No one's supporting me. Well, man, God is. God is. And hey, that's, if you've got that going for you, then you've got enough. Because the Lord is my shepherd. 
I've got everything I need. Verse 19, He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because He delights in me. And so you ought to know that, that, hey, the Lord loves you. He delights in you. He loves you. He loves you a lot. And you got to get a revelation of that in your heart, or you'll go, go stumbling through life wondering if, well, is He going to rescue me? Does He love me? Blah, 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 blah. Well, He'll rescue you because He delights in you. Let's skip down to verses 32 through 35. Man, this whole chapter is wonderful, but we don't have time to read all of it. So, verse 32. God arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. Who wants to be as sure-footed as a deer? I'm the only one. I mean, come on, man. You ever seen a deer? Gosh, those things are they're incredible. They're, they're, you know, it's wonderful. So anyway, uh, yeah, God will make you as sure-footed as a deer, enabling you to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. Anyone here tonight, you're great. It's not a trick question. You're great. Why? (laughs) Because you're great? No, because God's help has made you great. Amen? You you weren't born that way, but because of the Lord, He's made you great. He has trained your hands for battle. He has strengthened you, and He has been there with you. I love David's confidence in these verses right here, after the Lord rescued him. He's sure-footed. He can scale any mountain. He is ready for any battle. And so, when you finally understand that God is on your side, listen, for the born-again Christian, there should be a certain level of confidence that you have. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about pride. But for the born-again Christian, there is a certain level of confidence that you should possess. It's not self-confidence, it's God-confidence. And you know, I, I call it holy swag. And you know, people laugh at that. I'm not, that's not a joke, I call it that. That's a thing that I call. I, I'm serious, I call it that. So, you know, when you walk into a room, you need to understand that as you walk into the room, not some loser just walked in, not some, you know, less than. When you walk into the room, you need to understand that when you walk in, the presence of God just walked in. The angel armies just walked in. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, hey, they're with you. And when you walk into the room... Don't ever walk in with your head down with, man, I don't deserve to be here. Everyone else here is smarter than me. Everyone else here, you know, is better than me. And I used to kind of have that mentality and that chip on my shoulder. But I decided, man, I don't care if people think I belong in the room. I don't care if people look down on me. I don't care if they don't think I'm smart enough for this position or whatever. Listen... Greater is He that's in me than he that's in this world. Walk in, man. I was talking to Brian Besser several years ago, and it was just a strange time in life because, I don't know, I won't go into the whole story because I'm out of time now. I should have told it sooner when I could have told the whole thing. But anyway, so we were just talking about, you know, it was interesting that there were certain groups that I would try to connect to of different ministers and preachers. and, And generally speaking, it was even preachers that had smaller ministries and churches than ours, but they would always like... We weren't welcome in their circles for, and I don't know why. And, 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 and you could tell they either looked down upon us or, or just weren't welcome. Yet I would go hang out with 
friends like my good friend, Pastor Dan from the Roth. His church is like bigger than the city of Barstow. And the guy loves me. You know, he texts me and all that. And I'm like, why do these guys like me? But these guys, you know, you know, look down on me. And, and Brian Besser said something to me at a conference we were at one day down the hill. And he's like, have you ever thought, man, that you, you know, maybe you were meant to soar with eagles and you've been trying to cluck around with the chickens? <laughs> like, you know, I'm just being honest. And for some, listen, maybe you've been down about, man, this group at work don't like me and these people over here don't like me. Man, quit hanging around with chickens when you were called to soar with eagles. Amen? Come on. And so, if they don't get you, that's fine. There's a lot of people that didn't get Jesus. There's a lot of people that don't get, you know, don't get you. And that's because they're just, I'm, you know, I'm not being mean at all, but they're content being on this level when you were called to soar above that to a whole other dimension. And so, walk in, man, with a little... Holy swag. Come on, somebody. Yeah, get in there. Why? Because the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and He is my deliverer. Whom shall I fear? Come on, somebody. Amen? All right. Well, we better close it down there for tonight. We are straight out of time. Amen? But I wanted to encourage you with that tonight, that the Lord is my rock. Amen? Let's stand up together this evening. Amen? We've gone three minutes beyond our scheduled time, and my goodness. All right. <laughs> You'll forgive me, won't you? Amen. Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're here this evening and you are in need of prayer, you just need somebody to stand in agreement with you, to stand in the gap, uh, we're here, man. We're surrounding you. We're surrounding you with our faith and with our prayers. And if you just need to worship God for a few minutes, hey, you're at the right place. I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in a song here. And if you need to talk to God from your seat, do that. But if you need to come up for a little bit of prayer, we are absolutely here for you. So let's take a few minutes right now. Amen. Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. Nothing can separate your heart from mine Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord I am yours, I am yours Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord Nothing can separate your heart from mine Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord I am yours I am yours I am yours I am yours I am yours, I am yours, and I love you, and Jesus, I love you, yes, I love you. Because you first loved me And I love you Jesus, I love you Yes, I love you because you first loved me
Amen. All right. Well, who was blessed from the Word of God this evening? Amen. I think you all ought to go home and read Psalm 18. Amen? Read it the whole thing. Read it tomorrow morning. Read it every day. It's wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to close out tonight. Uh, ladies, remember that the women's meeting is Friday night, 6.30, Victory Hall. And um, if you are available, uh, Brother Robert may need a little help lifting a few tables there to get it set up. Uh, so give him a hand, and that would be absolutely great. And, of course, this weekend is going to be incredible. Be here uh, to hear the Word of God Sunday morning. Morning, Sunday night, and I'm believing some of our visitors from Easter are coming back this weekend, and they need to see your smiling faces. Who knows that much? Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out, and then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession, and we will be on our way. Amen. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much uh, for what we've seen in the Word of God tonight, Lord. And we know that we can boldly declare, just like David did, that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And Lord, we know that if we are anchored to you, if we are built upon you, that we are stable, we are solid, and we can make it through anything that comes our way. Thank you, Jesus, for all of this. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, take the rest of this week, Lord, to be the light of the world and show your love to everybody around us. Use us in these last days for your glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? amen. Alright, we're going to do our Barstow Faith Confession and I need my, my uh, second in command here, little James Browning, to come on up. Amen? Alright. My man's got this, okay? He's my backup. Woo! <laughs> we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed, our schools are blessed, our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed, Barstow is prospering, Barstow is safe, Barstow is strong, Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus, Barstow is safe, in Jesus' name, amen. See you Sunday. See you Sunday. Right. <laughs> Mountains are still being